Hey there, I'm Matt Walker, the host of the Choir Director Corner podcast. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I'm so excited you are here. Before we dive in, I want to tell you about a one-of-a-kind online resource for choir directors, and it's called the Choir Director Corner Community Membership. This membership was designed to give you the training, the resources, the support, and the community you need to be successful in your teaching. Inside the membership, you'll find online courses, which will help you polish your current skills, as well as learn some new strategies and techniques, a PDF resource library with over 50 PDFs and Google Docs that you can use in your daily teaching and workflows, monthly collaboration calls where you can ask questions, get feedback, and collaborate with choir directors just like you, and access to our recommended repertoire videos and repertoire lists. There's even a private Facebook group which gives you another place online to collaborate with other choir directors and ask questions. Being a choir director doesn't have to be a DIY endeavor. It's so much better when it's done together. So head on over to choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash membership and join us in the Choir Director Corner community membership. Again, that's choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash membership. All right, on with today's episode. And hello, my friends. Welcome to the Choir Director Corner Podcast. My name is Matt Walker. I am your host. Thanks so much for stopping by and joining me for today's episode. I am so glad and thankful that you are here. And this episode is part three of our Back to School series. Now, I know some of you have actually already gone back to school, and that's okay, my friends. These back to school episodes are still going to be very useful to you as uh, you are going through the beginning and through uh, the next several weeks and months of your school year. But we'll be especially helpful for those of us that aren't quite back to school yet. I know I've got just a couple weeks of summer left over. I hope you're having a great summer and I hope you enjoy whatever time that you have left to try and rest, recharge, spend some time with some friends and family before we all get back to it and to this wonderful profession of leading choirs. So part three of our back to school series. In part one, we talked about setting goals. In part two, we talked about time management. So if you haven't listened to either of those episodes, episodes number 70 and 71, after this episode, you might want to circle back and take a listen to those as well. And here in part three, we're talking about setting expectations. Now, when I talk about setting expectations, I'm really talking about management of our classroom. Yeah. So getting into behavior of our students, as well as logistics of rehearsal, just how you want rehearsal to look, how you want your typical rehearsal to go. And that's really getting into what I like to call best practices. And, you know, when we say best practices, what are the things that need to happen to make rehearsal the most productive? productive and the most valuable that we can possibly make it. What can make it the most 
well-spent time possible, right? Those are the things that need to happen in order for us to get things done, but also to make it uh, a, a wonderful experience for our singers. And so that is where we get into best practices. And so talking about that as we set expectations. Now, oftentimes when I talk to choir directors, you know, we may talk about setting expectations and they may talk about, you know, how do you do that and, and what does that look like and what processes or you know methods do you use oftentimes when we get to talking about expectations it's because there's an issue with classroom management and so you know having discussions about classroom management and you know when teachers are having challenges in that area the first thing i will go back to is what did you do at the very beginning to set expectations for your choral classroom. And oftentimes we will find something in that process that we can change, that we can tweak, that has a lot of positive benefits when it comes to classroom management, right? And really getting to those uh, those logistics of rehearsal and those best practices. So in today's episode, part three, talking about setting expectations, I have for you eight tips for what I call setting the tone. Ha ha ha, pun intended. Setting the tone and setting clear expectations in your choir classroom because that is really what it comes down to well the first thing that it comes down to is setting clear expectations so tip number one is yes my friends we have to start on day one now we may not hit them with our full class syllabus we may not hit them with our list of classroom rules and regulations and policies and all of that but what we can do on that very first day is start to show them literally show them what you expect of them so show them how you want them to come into the room discuss with them what the process is going to be. You know, when that bell rings, what is the first thing that you're going to do? Are you going to start warm-ups at that point? Is there going to be a daily activity? Talking with them, these are the expectations. And literally having them practice those, I think that's okay. Even, you know, for high schoolers and older, you might be, well, this seems kind of silly. It's really not. Like, when they're in that position, where they're in the seat of the choir singer, the more clear you can be with your expectations, the better. So they may kind of laugh it off a little bit, but really what they're thinking is, I am really thankful that I know exactly what is going to be expected of me. I know exactly what to do. Like that, for me, that's really stressful going into a new classroom and not really having any idea of what you're supposed to do or how this is supposed to go, or what you're the teacher is thinking or what they expect you to do, right? That's that's very anxiety-inducing. So talking with them and starting on that very first day. And you can do small bits, right? You're like, you're not going to spend all 45 minutes or all 90 minutes, however that long that rehearsal is, talking about expectations. That's not what we're doing. 
But spending some time on that very first day discussing, explaining, and having them practice what are some of those logistics, right, of rehearsal? What are some of those best practices that you are going to expect from them every day when they come to your choral classroom for rehearsal? Yeah. So that is number one. Yes. Start on day one. Absolutely. Tip number two. And this was something that uh, a mentor of mine said to me very early on in my teaching career. When it came to expectations, they said, be insistent, persistent, and consistent, right? Be insistent, persistent, and consistent. So all three of those. So if you, they're all sort of similar, right? But they're all a little bit different too. Yeah. So when it comes to expectations in your classroom, where whether it's behavior, what you expect of them, or how you expect things done, you've really got to insist this is the way it needs to be, right? And then you're going to have to be persistent. Yeah. Those of you that, you know, like me, teach middle school, teach high school, you know you're going to have to be persistent. My wife in her elementary classroom, she knows she's going to have to be persistent, right, with those expectations, right? There's There can't be any let up. You've got to really be insisting, yes, these are the expectations that we need, and here's why. You know, we'll talk about that in just a second. You've got to be persistent about it. You've really got to be after them, especially at the beginning, because you're really trying to set that standard. And then consistent, right? Every class, every single day, yeah? Even if it's a short period, even if it's homecoming, like it doesn't matter, right? Day in, day out, you've really got to be consistent. If you can do those three things, that's going to go a long way to making sure things happen the way you want them to happen, the way you have planned in your choral classroom, right? So tip number two, be insistent, persistent, and consistent with those expectations. Tip number three, emphasize best practices. And I talked about this at the beginning here. So we're, we're going the route of best practices, which really is about efficiency and productivity, making the best use of our time and making this the most valuable use of our singers time so that they get the most out of their time in our room versus rules, right? Here are classroom rules and rules in, it just has kind of a negative connotation, right? To me, rules says, well, here are the things that I as the choir director am putting in place because I am the director and, uh, and what I say goes, right? The whole my way or the highway. Yep. This has to happen because I say so. Those are rules, right? Best practices are, I want you to get the most out of your time in this classroom, and I want this ensemble to be as successful as possible. So in order for those two things to happen, here are the best practices that need to happen on a regular basis in our classroom, right? So it's a very subtle thing. And, you know, but, you know, if we've learned anything over the past few years, you know, words matter, 
right? Instead of rules, which has that sort of that negative connotation, right? Rules for just the sake of having rules. This is about best practices and best practices are about making it the best experience possible for our singers, right? It's not about us as choir directors. It's about the experience of our singers. It's about helping them to be as successful as they possibly can, both as individual singers and as the ensemble. That's what we're really getting to when we talk about best practices, right? And you might have to have a discussion, sort of, you know, you might even have a student ask, why do you call it best practices? Well, here's why, right? Here's why I use that term. It's because this is my focus. But there are things that are going to have to be put in place, right, in order for us to get the most out of our time together. Yeah, that sounds a lot better than here are the rules because I say so right? (laughs) So the old choir dictator versus the choir director, right? So that's tip number three, emphasize best practices. Tip number four, put it in writing. I will say this again, put it in writing. And even when you do put in writing, you will have someone two months into the school year who does something And you're just astounded that they did something. It's like, we talked about this in the first day. Oh, I forgot about that. Well, it's in your syllabus. It's in your choir handbook. Oh, right. And so you need to make sure that you have things in writing. If not for any other reason, to have that in your back pocket when issues arise. And trust me, they will. It doesn't matter how good of a teacher, how good of a communicator you are. Sooner or later, you're in this profession of teaching long enough, there will be an issue, right? So you need to make sure that you have it in writing. Now, I mentioned syllabus, I mentioned choir handbook, right? So if you want some help in this area, you want to just see examples, right? I have a back to school survival guide. I put it together last year. It was super popular. Um, I'll talk a little bit about that at the end of this episode, but it has two of the things that are in that back to school survival guide. There is a Google Doc of a choir syllabus, and then there is also a Google Doc of a choir handbook, which is more all-encompassing of the program, right? And I did Google Doc format because you can make a copy and then you can just take it and tweak it so that it fits your needs, right? I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end, but I think I, I did those templates because it is so incredibly important, right, to put these expect- expectations down in writing. Okay. So that is tip number four. Tip number five. Now this is sort of the second step. Once you put it in writing, tip number five, you need to communicate expectations in multiple ways. So you've got it in a syllabus. You've got it in a choir handbook. Guess what? You're going to email both of those to your singers as well as give them a a hard copy, right? You are going to email those to all of the parents of your singers. You're going to place those on your choir website. 
you are going to place those on your Facebook page, right? You're putting links to those documents there, right? You need to make sure that you are communicating these in multiple ways, right? You need art in your classroom. Make some some basic posters, right? And have these listed, you know, different, uh, you could just put one expectation to a poster, right? And put these posters up all around your classroom. So as singers are physically in your space, they can actually see these and be reminded of them, right? So communicating those expectations in multiple ways. And yes, I mentioned parents as well, because this goes back to number four, putting it in writing. It's super important. uh, If you are teaching students of a particular age, K through 12, right? It's super important that you're communicating these to students. It's probably even more important that you're also passing these on to your your parents of your singers, right? To the point where even a couple months in um, that first choir program, put a link where they can find your choir handbook, yeah? You may even want to do something, and I've done this previously many years, where I have a Google form and I send that out to the parents of my singers. And it's essentially, you know, they must re- fill out that Google form and return it as proof that they have received and have read through the syllabus and the handbook, right? I think that's a really um, uh, a smart thing to do, yeah? Just to make sure, again, Hopefully there's never going to be any issues, but the one time where an issue does come up, you're going to want to make sure that you have all of your ducks in a row. And so by putting these things in writing and communicating these things in multiple ways, because who knows, they might not check their email very much, right? You are going to be covering all of your bases. So that's number five. Tip number six, have a clear follow-up system in place. And this is something that you can discuss with your singers. You can even model this and kind of, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, play this out and set up. It could be super goofy, right? And and, and just kind of get a laugh from your singers just about how kind of funny and silly it is. But you want them to make sure that they know that there is a clear follow-up system. Where, for instance, if there's, uh, you know, something that goes against your classroom expectations, they know that, hey, you're going to pull them aside after class and you're just going to talk to them for 15 seconds and you're not going to berate them and you're not going to get after them, but you're just going to rem- Uh, just remind them that this is an expectation. This is your first warning. If this happens again, I will talk to you again. And that time I will contact your parents, right? The third time that it happens, not only do I contact your parents, but I have a meeting with your parents, whether that's in person or via Zoom or whatever, right? So just letting them know that you have that system in place. Here are the things that are going to happen when you, you know, on purpose go out of your way to not follow 
the expectations that that we have set, then here are the things that are going to result because of that. And again, you're you're not doing this in a, a mean way. You're you're not trying to you know intimidate them in any way. But it's it's so essential that your expectations are very clear, and here are the very clear consequences. And it's very cut and dried. You know, in, in a way, it's very uh, it, it's not personal, right? just that I have to do my job in order to do my job and make this as a productive time together as possible. These are the things that need to happen. And in order to make sure that these things happen, here are the, the results here. And I hate the word consequences, but here are the things that are going to happen when people don't follow expectations, right? Wording it that way. So that is number six, having that clear follow-up system in place. And, you know, if your school already has something, great. If not, I would say, you know what, develop your own, run it by your administration, right? Because you are going to want to have their backup uh, if, uh, in the case that there are instances where you've got situations coming up in your classroom, right? Hopefully those things aren't happening, but you want to make sure that your administration is is on board with those as well. So that's tip number six. Tip number seven, praise students often when they set a good example and be as specific as you possibly can, right? If your choir is doing a really fantastic job of being focused and not talking and not having side conversations, you know what? Tell them that. It's like, and do just stop in the middle of rehearsal. Like, thank you all for your attention today. You guys are just being awesome. And we are getting so much stuff done today because, you know, there are no side conversations coming on and everybody is involved and engaged. Thank you so much. Keep it up. Here we go. Right. And you can certainly praise individual students as well. And again, when I do this, I try to do it so I'm not, um, you know, praising the, the same students every single time. Like I'm really trying to mix it up whenever I can because that is going to give a, just a little nudge. Yeah, offer a little bit of motivation to maybe those students in your classroom that just don't feel like it today, right? Or they just really don't like that particular expectation that you have set in your in your room. But if they see you praising other singers, you know, everybody wants affirmation, whether they say they do or they don't. Like if they say they don't, I mean, really, they're they're lying, right? They're lying to themselves and they're lying to you. So having just that little bit of praise and that just to show them that you appreciate them and that you notice, right? You notice what they're doing. You, you, uh, you recognize the effort and the work they are putting forth. You recognize that they uh, are engaged and are investing in that process. So, you know, recognize them for that. Yeah. And just a little bit goes a long way. And finally, tip number eight, increase singer investment by allowing singers to have input in the process of setting best 
practices. So this tip is kind of tying everything together, right? You can have, and I would say you should have, your own list of best practices, you know, when you start the year for your classes. But, you know, I talked a little bit um, just about increasing that singer investment, right? That is really what this tip is going towards. And an activity that I will often do with my choirs, um, you know, people like to do um, you know, team building activities, particularly at the start of the year. Here's a great team building activity is, you know, break them up into small groups. I usually say no more than four because it gets bigger than that. And then people don't quite have as much opportunity to uh, give input in in the process. But what I do is I say, okay, your team, you are the uh, administrators of uh, the choir of the world, right? And so as the administrators of the choir of the world, you get to come up with the list of 10 best practices for being in choir. And I have them do two sets. Like the first one I have them do, and I say, this time I want you to be silly, right? Here's your opportunity to be silly and dream big. No dream is too big. Like you want to have donuts every day at choir rehearsal. Yeah, that's number one, right? <laughs> so I let them have some some fun with it, right? And so just being silly, just a silly list of 10 best practices for choir, okay? And then we talk about it and we laugh and, and we share our ideas. And then I say, okay, now we're going to the real world, Okay, and so we want truly want our choir to uh, be the best possible choir as possible. We want the singers in our choir to have the best possible experience, right? So now, re- real world, yeah, taking it seriously. I don't really like that word seriously, but you know, being re- realistic, right? And what is going to be most productive and have most uh, most value to us as singers. Now, give me your list of 10 best practices. If you were explaining this, and I'll, I'll say it this way to them, I'll say, if you were explaining to someone who's never been in choir and they've joined for the first day, what are the 10 things that they should do to make sure that they have the best possible experience and they uh, are able to uh, contribute to the ensemble in the best possible way, what are the 10 things that they should know that they should do, right? And so then we go through that process and everybody comes up with their list and then we share them and they write them down and you know put them up on your whiteboard or put them up on the wall, right? And we'll talk about them. And, you know, and so I'll actually from those things, I'll start making my own list. And so, you know, on my marker board, I'll start writing them down. And I try to narrow it down a little bit because in my mind, what I'm doing is I'm going to take their ideas and I'm going to make a new poster. Right. I don't tell them that at the beginning of the process, but I'm trying to narrow it down. So if they've got like 16 and maybe I see a few on there, like 
I talked to them. I was like, what is absolutely essential, right? Are these so-so things or the, the, we want the things on here to be absolutely essential, right? And so um, we have those discussions and have them start to narrow down that list. But ideally, I would like 10 of them because then what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a new poster or posters, right, and have that list of the 10 best practices for choir that they as a group came up with. And I'm going to post those in the classroom. Now, what kind of effect do you think that has on singer engagement and singer investment in rehearsal, right? It's astounding because you have taken them through that process of determining, here's what we should do, right? It's no longer you just telling them, okay, here are the things that we should do because um, this is what we need to do. These are the things that they themselves are coming up with so that they can make the experience. Yes, it's about having the best experience for themselves, but it's also about the other singers in the room having the best possible experience and for the group as the whole to be as successful as possible. And this is one of the magical things that makes what we do so different than what anybody else does. Like if you go to math class, you're working primarily, unless you're doing a group activity, you're working for your individual success, right? If you go to English and you're writing short stories, you are working on your individual short story, right? When singers come to choir, yes, it is still about their individual success and their individual progress as a musician, right? But there's this whole other part of it that they get to do this together. So it makes this so magical, right? That they get to collaborate with people just like them that enjoy this amazing thing called singing just like them. And they get to do it with others and share this collaborative experience. So doing this process, it starts to reinforce the idea that they're not just here for themselves, but they are here for everybody else as well. And when, you know, a singer, you know, doesn't meet an expectation, the great thing is you can point to the poster and like, look, you all made these expectations, right? (laughs) <laughs> sometimes you'll some you know if you're in a situation where they you know break a rule they they don't do something that they're supposed to do they can blame you well it's just your stupid rule right not anymore the group themselves came up with these expectations on their own everybody agreed to these right and we agreed to them because it's going to make the best experience for you and it's going to make the ensemble as successful as it possibly can be so my friends those are the eight tips let me review here in a rapid fire for you number one start on day one number two be insistent persistent and consistent number three emphasize your expectations as as best 
practices, which is about efficiency and productivity. It's not just about setting rules, right? Number four, put it in writing. And then the next part of that, number five, communicate expectations in multiple ways. Number six, have a clear follow-up system in place when things don't go right according to plan. Number seven, praise students often when they set a good example. And then number eight, increase singer investment by allowing singers to have input in the process of setting the best practices for your choral classroom, right? Make them a part of that process. They'll be so much more invested in what you're trying to do and how you're trying to do it. Now, I mentioned my back-to-school survival guide. So here's what this is. In this guide, I detail step-by-step what I teach for that first week of school, which is often one of the questions that I get. It's like, what do I do that first day? What do I do that first week? What does that look like, right? I go step-by-step giving you a description of what I'm doing. And then what I've done is I've packaged some of my templates that have uh, the most application to the beginning of the school year. These are things that typically everybody is looking for at the beginning of the year or as they're planning for the beginning of their year. And so I've included my daily rehearsal plan template, my choir handbook template, uh, a course syllabus template, even a seating chart template. And these are all in Google format. So you simply make a copy of them and then you can take them and save them to your Google Drive, to your desktop, and you can tweak them so that they fit your needs and they fit your program. And lastly, I'm including my PDF rehearsal planner, which has a planning format for daily rehearsals, for weekly rehearsals, you know, how it looks month to month. And there's your typical calendar pages uh, for, you know, your typical uh, calendar template, right? Those are in there as well. But really what I wanted to do is create a planner where I could uh, organize and plan out my rehearsals. So you see that week per week. And then I also have a, a page on there where it's broken down by the week, but by specific day. And so you can take that each week and fill that out as well. That planner is a PDF. And so you simply just print it off. It doesn't have any dates in it, which is the one of the great things about it is that you can use it every single year, right? I have it had it designed so that it would meet every single year, no matter what the calendar looked like. And so you've got that PDF rehearsal planner in there as well. All of that in the Back to School Survival Guide. And you can get your copy over at choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash shop, S-H-O-P. And I'll make sure I put that link in the episode notes for you as well. And also a special bonus for everyone that gets a copy of the Back to School Survival Guide. I mentioned team building activities. I am also creating a new guide, which is going to detail some of my favorite team building activities. Now, these are great throughout the year, but they're also um, really valuable at the beginning of the year when you're trying to not only establish uh, 
you know, establish expectations, but you're also trying to build community as well. So everybody that gets a copy of the Back to School Survival Guide this year, you're also, uh, once it's done, yeah, I'm still working on uh, putting the finishing touches on it, but you will also get a new PDF guide via email that's got some, uh, some of my favorite team building activities as well. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you've been enjoying the podcast, if you would do me a big favor and go over to wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave the podcast a five-star rating and review. This is going to help me because by doing that, you're going to help other choir directors find the podcast and that's going to help me in my goal to serve as many choir directors as possible. So I would really appreciate it. Well, thanks again for listening. I hope this episode has got you inspired and motivated to really think about how you are setting those clear expectations for your singers this year. And remember, start right at day one. Till next time, my friends, keep being awesome. Are you looking for resources that will save you time and frustration? Want to dive deeper into topics related to your teaching? Then check out the Choir Director Corner Community Membership over at choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash membership. Yeah.